Today, as we welcome back former seminarian Anna Burnham to preach, we reflect on an excerpt of Jesus' teaching to his disciples in the Gospel of Luke. Let us open our ears, our minds, our imaginations, our hearts, and souls across time and space and listen in on his teachings and hear what it has to say to us today. Jesus said to his disciples, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. That one is like a person building a house who dug deeply and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood arose, the river burst against that house, but could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a person who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the river burst against it, immediately it fell, and great was the ruin of that house. For the good news of Jesus Christ, thanks be to God. Those of you who have been a part of our congregation for a while know that one of the great gifts of the past several years has been our seminarian program, where students from local divinity schools, theological schools, have come to work alongside us for a year or more and to be student pastors with us. Last, the last two weeks we heard from our seminarians from 2014 through 2017, first Sidney Van Dyke and then Lindsey Franklin. And if you haven't heard their sermons, I invite you to go back and listen on our YouTube page. Those of you who heard them know how blessed we were. And this summer we are continuing to hear from all of our immediate past seminarians uh, as they reflect on our anniversary theme of how this place has helped root them in the past and help them reach into their future. And I'm delighted this morning that Anna Burnham, who was with us in 2017-2018, is able to be with us today, uh, joining us from North Carolina, where she's about to move back to Massachusetts. Uh, you can read in my blog this week of all the many things Anna's been doing since she left us, but Anna came to us as someone who had been steeped all of her faith formation life, starting in her childhood home and parish in the Roman Catholic faith. And she also went to a Roman Catholic undergraduate school. And then she came after working in the Jesuit Volunteer Corps and also working on a presidential campaign doing local field organizing to Harvard Divinity School. And her first semester, she decided to be brave and bold and jump feet first into this Protestant parish, this tri-Protestant parish with ties to three denominations. It was a big education for her, not only about her own gifts and talents and ministry, but what it meant to step up as a young woman into a position of pastoral authority, to preach for the first time from this pulpit, and we were all quite wowed by her natural ability in the pulpit, and just what it meant to be in a faith community different than those that she'd grown up with. And it was a great gift to us that year and has continued to be a great gift in ministry. And starting tomorrow, August 16th, she begins a new position as the student program coordinator at the Memorial Church at Harvard University, where she will essentially be like a, an undergraduate chaplain there. We're grateful that Anna has taken time to be with us this morning. She'll also be joining us in coffee hour. And it's good to hear her break open the word we just heard from the Gospel of Luke. Please welcome back Anna Burnham. Hi everyone, as Kent said, my name is Anna and I was the seminarian at United Parish from 2017 to 2018 during the first year of my Master of Divinity degree at Harvard Divinity School. 
It's such a gift to be um, invited back here, even in this virtual way, to a community that shaped me and, and my path in ways I never could have anticipated when I met Kent and Amy at our field education fair in fall of 2017, and I'll share some of that in this sermon today. The theme that we former seminarians were so kindly guided with in these sermons was rooted in the past, reaching into the future. And as I sat with that idea and thought what I wanted to do in this sermon, I realized that there was one thing I really wanted to talk about. This thing that had sort of singularly defined my life for about seven weeks from early June to mid-July, a job interview process. <laughs> now I know it's perhaps hard to think of something more godless than the job search, I know, but this is one that ended up being a profoundly an oddly spiritual learning experience. After graduating from grad school last year into the worst job market in recorded history and stringing together a few decent part-time remote jobs and eventually feeling the strain and emotional disconnect that prolonged remote work provided me, I was really craving something new late this spring, a sense of direction when a friend at Memorial Church on Harvard's campus told me about a job opening up running their student programming, and suddenly it all clicked into place. I was a freakishly perfect match for the job description and requirements. I could return to working with students, which I'd been craving ever since I was a, a live-in proctor for Harvard first-year students. And I could do it all in a community that I knew and that I deeply unexpectedly missed. And because it's Harvard and there's a lot of red tape, the interview process took over a month with multiple interviews. And because I'm me, each step came with more anxiety and more waiting. And yet I just knew that this job was mine. <laughs> Never in my life have I experienced something like it before, this absolute certainty that this was right for me, that this was the next step on my path, and the accompanying debilitating anxiety that it might not happen. That, you know, the worst thing in the world for me, I literally had no control over the outcome, that my fate was in others' hands. I imagine some of the more anxious overachiever types in the congregation might understand just how terrible that lack of control can feel. But the anxiety wasn't unbreachable, and something about it was quite different. Every time my head would start to spiral, something simpler and more profound would drop into my gut a sureness, a stillness. It would be like head spiral, 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 gut, still. And after enough instances, instances of this over the course of seven very long weeks, wondering when the HR person would call or email me back, wondering what the heck I would do if I didn't get this job, I had to admit to myself that it was God doing that, dropping that certainty and peace in my gut, and that I had to stop ignoring God listen up, and even start talking back. So I started mostly in my head talking to God, at stoplights, at my desk, as my hand crept to check my voicemail for the 10th time that day. Sometimes I was curious about what God was doing, what lesson I was being taught in all of this. Sometimes I was just really annoyed and wanted to complain. But it was the talking itself that was the important part. The sense that something divine and celestial was happening here, something I had to sit back and let unfold. I just knew that this job opportunity was more than a job, that it was a real vocational call, 
a sort of being plopped on a path and given a kick in the rear to go and start walking. At the very end of those seven anxiety-filled weeks, I took a trip to the Smoky Mountains deep in the western corner of North Carolina with my sister. On that trip, my sister and I listened to a lot of like old mountain folk songs, many of which have direct roots in the Scottish and English countrysides from which the white colonizers who settled in those mountains came. One of the songs we listened to is an English folk song called How Firm a Foundation, and it opens with, try to sing it, <laughs> How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. I kept coming back to that word, foundation, foundation, foundation annoying my sister with how many times I insisted on playing the song. And then it was during the most peaceful and removed from society part of our trip that the email and the call eventually came. We were at a tiny mountain lodge on this like stunningly beautiful, pristine mountain lake outside of cell phone service. And I was actually annoyingly, begrudgingly writing a cover letter for another job I'd been told about and growing increasingly distraught at how much I did not want that one and realizing just how much I did want the Harvard job when the email popped into my inbox. Before even getting excited, I kind of laughed. I was like, you know, good one, God. I thought, very funny. And I drove into town and called the HR person and got the confirmation that I got the offer. And when I got back to the lodge, I I jumped into the lake in some sort of delirious celebration, which I think for me is kind of my most profound form of just pure, joyful worship. And the whole day I was humming this hymn over and over, how firm a foundation, and I really thought, and it really hit me, what does it mean for me to have my faith as the foundation of my life? Something solid upon which I can build. What did my faith do for me throughout that whole annoying, anxious job process? How did it really undergird the entire experience? How did talking to God throughout it and seeing this as a sort of spiritual lesson give me a, a key, a cipher to interpret the more painful and annoying parts of it? And how did having that faith as a foundation for my interpretation of the whole process actually add joy and profound meaning to the eventual outcome? So how does this relate to the scripture reading I chose? In Luke, we hear a parable from Jesus about two people building houses, one on a firm foundation and one directly on the ground. When the rain comes, the one with the foundation, predictably, stands firm, while the foundationless one washes away. Jesus tells us that these two people represent those who hear his word and act on it, and those who hear his word and don't act. Many sermons on this passage focus on the word obedience, you know, obedience to God's word when we hear it. And maybe it's my kind of complicated Catholic upbringing, but in my, my adulthood, I've become quite allergic to the term obedience when it comes to matters of religion and faith. Instead, I'm drawn to that word listening, right? How do I listen to God's voice, God's call, as it reveals itself in the winding path of my life? What does it mean when I want something, but I'm not sure if God wants it for me or vice versa? Am I listening when the, the gift of call, of vocation, of guidance is dropped into my stomach through the buzzing head noise of anxiety? Do I let God help me? 
Do I let God's plan shape my life? Do I trust in it? Or am I the foolish builder who doesn't build that foundation, who refuses to listen to their friends saying, hey, buddy, you might want to like dig, dig into the ground a little bit before you build. And instead has it all washed away, left with a pile of rubble and an existential crisis. Because of the theme of these seminarian sermons, I also want to take a moment and reflect on how United Parish played a crucial role in my sense of path, call, and vocation, and how I really was brought to it by the same sense of gut feeling. I came to HDS in 2017 after several years of political and community organizing work, drawn by this vague but sure sense that I was supposed to study those things as sacred, holy acts. And I showed up on campus knowing I wanted to dive into field education right away and having this gut feeling amid all the options available to me that I was supposed to work in a parish and decidedly not the Catholic parishes of my upbringing and education. I didn't know precisely why I felt I needed parish experience, just that it was what I really needed at the time to do. And it worked out that I met Kent and Amy and they didn't have a seminarian lined up for the year. And so I was it. And at United Parish, the world of parish ministry was open to me in ways that had been previously impossible as a Catholic woman. I helped lead worship. I preached. I was taken seriously as a prospective minister. I found an open community that welcomed people at all points of their faith journeys, a place free of the faith shaming I had come to think was inevitable. And nearly four years later, applying for what really feels like a dream job, Christian parish ministry experience preferred was on the job description, something that I had under my belt simply because I had followed a sense of call and the gut feeling that I'm calling God's voice when God dropped that sureness into my stomach. In the hymn I've chosen, the lyrics read, <laughs> When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. Grace is something that's really hard for me to fully understand, fully wrap my mind around, because it's just so immense and incomprehensible that I can really only guess at what it means. But instead of understanding it, I'm trying to pay attention to the ways that I feel it, right? <laughs> How can grace, all sufficient, like the hymn says, supply us when the path we're on is confusing and unknowable? What building can grace do on the foundation of faith? Like many of us, I imagine I have thought a lot about my life and what I want from it this past year, year and a half. Increasingly, I'm really turning to this foundation Im imagery from Luke and from the hymn when I think about the role that my faith plays in my everyday life. What do I build my life on? What is each brick or concrete block of that foundation made of? Community, love, purpose, vocation, justice, care, faith. Amen.